Hi there, everybody, and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling, the podcast that tells interesting stories of inspiring women. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Naomi, a vet by day and enthusiast of supporting and encouraging women, championing the successes of those who are doing great things in their chosen fields. Now, a few people have asked me why I started this podcast, including my dad, uh, ever the realist. And my answer is, I often meet women whose careers sound really interesting or unusual. And my first thought is always, how do you get into that? Or how do you get there, wherever there is? Usually swiftly followed by, I want to do that. That sounds cool. And I thought, well, if I want to hear about these people and I'm interested in their careers, then maybe other people will too. So I thought I'd start by contacting women who I knew myself or had heard of through friends and see if they'd be willing to speak about their careers. Surprisingly, and I was surprised, the majority of people I approached agreed, which to me sums up the supportiveness of successful women that they are so often prepared to give their time to others. So I've ended up having the privilege and pleasure of talking to a bunch of super interesting and really varied women whose stories I will be bringing to you during the course of this series. So my first guest is a young woman with a quite extraordinary talent in the field of motor racing. Jamie Chadwick started go-karting at the age of 13, which is pretty late in that field because it was something that her brother was into, good old sibling rivalry. At that stage, she herself preferred horses and hockey. She was a county player on a sports scholarship at school, but her prodigious talent behind the wheel quickly became evident. And at the age of 14, she won a junior scholarship with Ginetta and was subsequently signed to drive for Aston Martin in a V8 Vantage. Now, if that doesn't mean that much to you and you don't know that much about motorsport, and it didn't to me until I started researching for this interview, an Aston Martin V8 Vantage is basically the racing version of what James Bond might drive. And Jamie was racing these before she was old enough to take her driving test. That's quite some achievement and a huge amount of power to be harnessing on a racetrack. Success quickly followed and she won the 2015 British GT Championship title with her teammate Ross Gunn. All the while, she was still at school and fitting in the small matter of completing her A-levels. Everything you read about Jamie or from people or hear from people who know her refers to her natural flair for driving, her calmness, her capacity to read the road, to eke out the small improvements that make the difference between winning and losing. In 2017, she became the only female driver in Formula 3 and has got her sights firmly set on Formula 1 in the not-so-distant future. I chatted to her from a swanky hotel in central London where she'd been doing a photo shoot for a glamorous publication. Jamie, thank you very much for joining us today and welcome to Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you. Um, so you're now competing at Formula 3. For people who have no understanding of motorsport whatsoever, can you just talk about that a little bit and what the difference is between Formula 3 and Formula 1, which obviously is a bit more well-known? Yeah, of course. So basically, Formula 3 is, as it kind of sounds, um, you've got Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3. Um, and then you've got British Formula 3, which is maybe a step below the world European Formula 3. So uh, to be really black and white, I'd say it's about three, four steps below Formula 1. Okay. Um, and the cars are, from a parent's point of view, similar sort of looking on the basis of them, but very much more of a junior kind of formula so they're not quite as quick uh, not got quite as uh, much engineering development around them but they're basically based on the same sort of principle so 
Um, okay. Yeah, it's designed as a stepping stone for young drivers um, from, you know, when they come out of go-karts, they go into Formula 4 and then they can progress into Formula 3 and so on, so on, up the ladder to Formula 1, hopefully. So most people you'd be competing with at the moment are roughly your age, would that be right? Or Yeah, so um, there is no age limit um, on the championship, so you could be technically as old as you like, but most people around my age, um, if not maybe a little bit younger, there's um, quite a few, so you can be from the age of 16 to race in Formula 3. Okay. Um, and a lot of drivers, yeah, make the most of their young age. They've been sort of karting since their age eight. I got to a little bit late, and they're from a bit older than some of them, but around my age. Yeah, cool. And you said you got to karting a little bit late. I think you're about thirteen when you started. Is that right? Yeah. So I was yeah twelve, thirteen. Yeah. And your family, no background in motorsports at all. This was just something you kind of fell into a little bit. Or? Yeah, completely, completely fell into it by accident. Really, my brother raced a little bit um, just by accident as well in karting and. Yeah, it was purely sibling rivalry that spurred me on to give it a go. And yeah, I guess it's all kind of gone from there. And so when you start karting, you obviously kind of get into things. You won quite a few things. You went through the um, GT racing and then into Formula 3. How did you get through like school with balancing your driving and all that kind of thing? Like, how was that for you? Um, it was tough. <laughs> um, I basically, yeah. So apart from in Formula 3, it's always been uh, the way that I've done uh, gone about my career so school came first and then the racing was something very much on the side of that and um, especially when I was in Geneta Juniors like the other drivers we're all at school so we're all in the same boat uh, I then continued through to my A-levels um, whilst I was racing in GTs so it was a bit of a balance obviously uh, when I was spending weekends racing um, you know the others were spending weekends working so <laughs> um, I had to juggle that and obviously it's quite a lot of time um, during the week that I was missing to go out testing and fulfill certain commitments so yeah it was definitely tough but I was really lucky that the school that I was at um, supported me really well and helped me get through it teachers were really supportive and yeah I managed to juggle my way through it. That's super good to hear and you obviously Rob is quite a sporty person like you played hockey pretty high level and stuff like yeah, how yeah. what kind of training do you do for like the physical side of being a driver because it sounds like that's quite intense particularly in Formula 3. Yeah massively I think um, that's the one thing people don't always realise looking into motorsport they don't think it's a particularly physical sport but actually it definitely is it's not something that will permit a female from making it to the top but you know we do have to train that a little bit harder and definitely the strength of your arms and your neck which is a bit of a weird thing um is something that um we work especially hard on to make sure that we're correctly conditioned and trained so when we're in the car um you know we don't fatigue because the concentration levels have to be that high if you fatigue physically then mm. mentally you're not going to be uh, quite strong so yeah it's a lot of hard work in the gym but it's all worth it and what about the mental side of things like you've done 24-hour racing and that kind of thing before like how do you actually mentally concentrate yourself for that time because it must be exhausting it is yeah but I think one thing that is amazing is how powerful your subconscious brain is uh when I did the 24-hour race uh you're racing at night so technically you don't actually know where the circuit's going you're relying on just some lights in your car but um actually you know that circuit so we did it at Silverstone I knew that circuit like the back of my hand and subconsciously you find yourself driving it without even knowing and mm. um, you've got to be able to focus your mind correctly and be that sort of bit switched on but also trust that your instinct knows what it's doing. 
Yeah, that's amazing. It's kind of kind of weird to think about that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. And you did a bit of driving with Paul Hollywood. I didn't even know that he was into uh, to motorsports. That must have been quite fun, was it? Yeah, I think one of the great things about Paul is, um, and a lot of people don't know he's that into motorsport because I think he likes to go about it not as a celebrity but as another racing driver. He wants to go into it and learn as much as he can without, um, you know, having any stigma attached with his name and yeah, I sure. was his teammate in 2016 and um yeah it was he was great to work with um it was good fun and he got so much better throughout the so few days that we did leading up to the race weekend and during the race weekend the progress he made was amazing so it was good fun um he didn't bake me any cakes unfortunately but I got some baking tips off him so um yeah it was all good fun in terms of like uh, people helping you through the sport you know I'm a big kind of fan of this notion of you can't be what you can't see sort of thing and obviously there aren't many women to for you to look up to in the sport you know obviously it is quite male dominated but who have you have you had mentors or inspirations and how's that how's that worked for you guys yeah I think um I've not really had any mentors, so to speak, but uh, Susie uh, Wolf's obviously one that's reached out and I've spoken to her on several occasions. She's been amazing mm-hmm. um, in giving advice and support um, around her experiences, which is great. And obviously so she was a she... testing driver in Formula One, wasn't she? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So she was the test driver for Williams in F1, um, which I think is as high as the females got in uh, the Formula One ladder in recent times. So um, yeah, it's great for me to have her kind of um, contact to be able to reach out to and there are a few others that I know always sort of just on the phone if I ever needed it and I think that's great but obviously as a racing driver and a driver at heart um, I look up to you know wanting to become a world champion so I look up to mm. the Lewis Hamiltons the Sebastian Vettels the Fernando Alonso's because ultimately from a driving point of view that's what I want to achieve. Mm. And do you do you spend a lot of time kind of analysing your races after your race, like in terms of your progressing your training um, on the track as well? Like you obviously do a lot of test driving with the car and stuff like that. How does that work in terms of um, bringing things forwards to increase your chances of winning, I suppose? Yeah, so there's actually a lot in the car. Um, Engineering-wise, it's one of the biggest parts of racing is how you develop and engineer the car and working with your engineers and the team around you and there's a lot of data that uh, supports that so um, for me I have worked very closely with my engineers to find out where we can find any little bit of an advantage where I can mm. improve my driving I think as a female I do overthink and overanalyze everything um, so I break everything down and try and work out where I can improve and where I can get better and um, go from there and I think that's one of the nice things about the sport is it lends itself to that with the amount of data and telemetry that is accessible everything is you know right in front of you if you're breaking too early you can see it straight away so yeah Mm. uh, it's great for me to be able to see that and obviously from a a learning tool it's great because it means that I can fast track my learning and improve that much quicker you're listening to smashing the ceiling if you're wondering how you can subscribe to this podcast to hear more stories of women with the most interesting and unusual jobs then fear not it couldn't be easier go to your usual podcast provider search for smashing the ceiling and hit subscribe there done anyone who becomes a regular listener of this podcast will soon realize that i'm a big fan of increasing participation of women in sport in fact in any exercise really It strikes me as a travesty that a lot of girls do PE at school. Some of them love it, some of them hate it. But the reality is that participation of women in 
in exercise activities is much lower than that of men. And this is something that various charities and organisations are working hard to address. I asked Jamie whether the images and associations around women in sport to do with being sweaty or not wanting to be seen to be uncool was something that she'd come across. I have come across it. I think um, I was really lucky when I was at um, school. It was kind of cool to be sporty. Mm. Um, so a bit different to some of the other stereotypes. But um, yeah, I mean, everyone, um, well, everyone was encouraged to play sport and it became quite a popular thing. Um, and I think that was really important because in hockey season for example um girls didn't care that they'll get bigger thighs because they're playing hockey or anything like that they were just playing because they loved it and wanted to represent the school at the top level so um yeah I'm quite lucky I've not experienced it I was there on sports scholarship I played sport and that's the main thing I went to school for to be honest yeah Um, sure but I am aware that it is something that happens a lot and you know the stereotypes with women in sport aren't great and the associations that come with it aren't great and that is partly the reason why so many women drop out so quickly Mm. it's and we hear so often about you know instagram and the kind of generation of in social media people not wanting to get sweaty or not wanting to be seen to be like you say too heavily muscled or anything like that and it's quite difficult to get past that sometimes isn't it yeah i think the difficult yeah like you said um is the sort of unrealistic um reality of what uh you know instagram um and certain obviously social media platforms portray uh fitness models and things to be you know it's not like that one of the things I love is when you see photos of say Laura Kenny we were talking about her earlier Mm. um she's sweating and she looks terrible because she's just cycled however fast at the end of a race and she's just won whatever medal and it's incredible what she's achieved but she doesn't look her best but that is her and that's her in her purest form and she'll post that photo and then the next day she'll be glammed up for some photo shoot and look incredible so I love the fact that she has got that sort of both sides to it and a lot of athletes are like that. Um, I think it's obviously young girls see the unrealistic side of um, things where it's always dolled up, always glammed up and it's not always like that. Yeah, sure. And I think that's really encouraging for for women like Laura Kenny to to put put those portrayals out there to say, you know, this is me and I've just won a gold medal and this is how I look. And, you know, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Do you think that um, being a woman in a sport in which there are not many other women, and obviously Benny Eccleston famously has kind of said previously that women don't have the physical strength for Formula One and that sort of thing, do you think that just makes you more determined to prove everybody wrong that this is actually just something that you can achieve? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, from my point of view, I think women actually have certain strengths that are superior to men. So, for example, our cores are actually stronger than men. So there are certain things where we can be physically better than men. Um, I know for a fact that motorsport isn't solely revolved around the physical side of it. Um, for obvious reasons, you can't. Uh, it can't be too physical because of the mental side of it and the longe- mm. longevity of the races. So um, it's really important that um, people understand that it's got to be possible and women can get that strong. It's just is it possible to work that hard and get to that strength level and be able to race and sustain that level of strength for a entirety of the race is what I've got to find out. And it's something that I'm really, really keen to explore. Mm, sure. And how long would your average Formula 3 race take? So Formula 3 races are only sort of 20 minutes or so. 
Um, okay. So they're not okay. as long, but actually the weight of the steering wheel is probably a little bit heavier than the weight of an F1 steering wheel uh, or the steering. So they are physical cars and they're not easy to drive. So um, I think that's one of the things where I know that if I can get on top of these junior formulas, whether it's Formula 3, Formula 2, um, then I'll be prepared and conditioned correctly to race in Formula 1. And you've just signed um, for this season with Douglas Motorsport. That's exciting. So when's and when's your season going to be starting and what are your hopes for this year? Yeah, so the season starts at the end of March um, at Alton Park. Uh, I think obviously it's my second year in British Formula 3, so uh, my hopes and aims are a little bit higher than they were last year. And I think uh, with a year of experience, I'd like to think that we can challenge for the title and if nothing else, be trying to win races and win as many races as possible up on the podium as well. Cool. And you've obviously been out in the new, in your new car and sorting it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. No, been out doing a bit of testing. Uh, winter testing is always glorious. It's about minus three or four whenever we go anywhere. But it's uh, great to get out in the car, get back into it after a bit of a long winter. Hopefully British summer might eventually arrive and the temperatures will warm up one day. I finished by asking Jamie whether she had any other reflections on her career so far or on being a woman in the motorsports industry. And she gave me a really positive response, which was very encouraging. I say it time and time again, um, my experience in motorsport, I fell into it by accident. I'm not from a motorsport background, so I've not been sort of um, given the red carpet through my career at all. And my experience in the sport has been nothing but positive from a female point of view. I've never had any bad experience with um, any sort of uh, prejudice or anything like that I've always had good experiences and if that's something for young girls or young women to take away or people that want to get into the sport um, then I think they should because I think it is changing it is a positive uh, there is a lot of positivity around women in the motorsport and I think definitely uh, for anyone getting into the sport, they should be encouraged by that. And how would you recommend people to get into motorsport if they were thinking, if that was something that they thought might be for them? Um, I think obviously the place you start is Mm go-karting. So um, starting karting, uh, there's so many kart tracks around the UK. Uh, Try it out, see how you get on. Um, And if you like it, then pursue it, chase your dream. Don't, uh, Don't let anything stop you, but it's not meant to be then it's not but you know the way I went about it was that it's something that I wanted to do I didn't really care about any of the barriers I just did it because I wanted to do it and um yeah it's got me this far yeah well congratulations and like I said best of luck for the 2018 season we'll be uh following your career with interest and uh all the very best with your new team cheers thank you very much so massive thank you to Jamie for joining us on the podcast today As mentioned, she is driving for Douglas Motorsport this season and things are well underway with Formula 3 already. If you fancy popping down to check it out, all details of races and more information is at britishf3.com and races are held from now until October. If you fancy trying karting or know someone that might, head to the Association of British Kart Clubs for more information at abkc.org.uk. That's all for this time, and thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Smashing the Ceiling with me, Naomi Mella. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and feel free to leave us a nice review on your favourite podcast site as it helps others to find us. More importantly, if you enjoyed it, spread the word, as word of mouth is still the most powerful form of advertising. You can find us on Twitter at Smashing Ceiling and on Instagram at Smashing the Ceiling, and we'll hopefully see you next time. <laughs>